everybody, welcome to Sonic Talk number 283. We're recording live today, Wednesday the, uh, what is it, quickly, 19th of September. Uh, and we have a couple of special guests. It's sort of special. We're doing a little bit of a, something different here. We've got a couple of uh, chaps on the line who I will come to first. Um, Mr. Dean Honer and Adrian Flanagan of the Eccentronic Research Council. Oh, Fully hatted up. I'll, I'll take my ruler out on that. Yeah. <laughs> got to follow the rules, mate. Sorry about that. What a terrible pun. Um, who are there in your kind of uh, your Sheffield studio garret up there? Um, right. You and might need to sit you. a little bit closer together. I'm getting a little bit of a kind of, um, uh, yeah, I'm sure you've probably shared the back of a bus or something. You can probably handle a bit of that. So um, sporting splendid beards, hats and sunglasses. It is very bright up there. It's How very, very similar. So, uh, Ready for all weathers. D- Dean is on the left in the white hat, and Adrian, that's you on the right, uh, in the blue hat. Black. Black. Sorry, I can't tell. It's the colour balance of your... <laughs> it's our webcam. It's not very good. It's Well, that's totally understandable. That's the way it tends to work um, with, with this. This is the north. We're on the We're on the cutting edge of technology. Every pixel counts. So, guys, uh, I want to say thanks for joining us. Um, I'm going to introduce also our other two guests, and then we'll come straight back and talk to you about what you've been up to, because you've been, got some great uh, music on the go in the form of the 1612 Underture. That's what they call a tease. So, I will also say hi to Dave Spears, uh, g4software.com. How are you doing, Dave? You well? I'm all right. I'm coping. Dave is, uh, well, Dave basically set this one up because he's a mate of uh, Dean's, or, well, I'm assuming he's a mate, an acquaintance, I think, would be a safer assumption. Yeah. Uh, G4 Software, course maker, fine uh, software musical instruments. Thanks for I joining us there. You're looking very posh, Dave. You've got, um, you've got a shirt yeah. on and stuff. Should I be I'd worried? I had a meeting with an architect this morning, so I thought I'd better not wear a T-shirt. In fact, I was wearing a Sonic State T-shirt, and Louise went... Do me a favour, put a shirt on, take that off. Architect, aren't you supposed to wear something maybe linen and collarless to meet an architect? Yeah, well, I thought I'd just mix it up a bit, you know. You, you <laughs> radical, you. Anyway, Dave, thanks for joining us. And we'll also go over to uh, Gaz Williams over there, songsurgeon.co.uk. Uh, in fact, I'm supposed to change that to a, twi- a tweet handle, a Twitter handle, which I haven't done yet, <laughs> which is at Gaz, at Gaz Goldstar, Ooh. but uh, I'll put that up. Anyway, Gaz, welcome. Yeah. Thank you. Um, I... Uh, I've been having a really funny week this week. Um, a couple of days ago, a uh, uh, plumber came around to check out the boiler and um, just got into talking a little bit and asked him if he happened to be a musician. He goes, well, I sort of dabble. I got, yeah, I got some synthesizers. Turned out he got like a, a Roland System 100. <laughs> uh, <laughs> what? Good grief. Yeah. And uh, yeah, it's great, you know, so just as a coincidence. That's a plumber that you kind of, you f- I feel I trust a plumber who had a System 100. Weirdly enough, I must say this while I remember, the guy who came round to read our electricity meter came in the room and went, oh, you're in the music business then? And I went, well, sort of, loosely. And he went, oh, I've got a friend who's in the music. Have you ever heard of a bloke called David Lord? And I went, what, Bath, David Lord? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, he's my best friend. Well, there you go. Bizarre, eh? That is. Small world. A small small world of, of plumbers and electricians. I did have a I did have a plumber come round once so and uh, and he uh, and he came through one of the rooms and he saw instruments and he was going oh yeah I'm a guitarist you know I uh, I uh, I yeah 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 I got 
Actually, I've got a 62 Strat in the van now, you know. Yeah, my mum bought it me back, way back when, you know. And um, I was going, oh, cool, cool, that's really interesting. And then he went on to say that he played on, was it Concrete and Clay or some, like, huge big hits in the 60s? And, he's, and I was just like, wow, this is amazing. But it was that little whiff going on. There was a little whiff going on. <laughs> and, now, I, and he brought his guitar. I asked him, I said, let me see this guitar. Let me see this guitar. He brought this guitar. He brought this guitar out, and it was it was just like a like a cheap rap guitar. Oh, didn't work going, out. It was he was going. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. My mum bought it me in 1962. I've had it all this, and it was like obviously from about like something maybe 10 years ago or something. And I and then it, the reason I mentioned this, it got me kind of thinking just about like. Obviously, nowadays, we just go straight on, the, straight on the net, check him out, check him out, check him out, look at his details, look at the band, Concrete and Clay, who did that song, who was in the, you know, and there's no sign of him anywhere. It's all oh. like, oh, wow, wow, wow. He's, is he the, uh, the meter reader with Munchenhausen disease, then, perhaps? <laughs> but, but, but it just kind of got me thinking. This guy, he was probably maybe late 50s, early 60s. Um, uh, and he, uh, and I just kind of thought, he's probably been telling these stories for such a long time. He probably believes it, but <laughs> bless. But we will. I, I, it just got me thinking, you know, how we we now want to check out everybody. We can check them out on the net. We can it's like the FBI. Them. Yeah, we can all be little little FBI sort of dudes. But uh, but this plumber, by the way, uh, he couldn't. He was too fat to get through the hatch. He couldn't even do the job. <laughs> <laughs> and on that note, um, perhaps we should move on to our guests who are waiting patiently there. Unless, of course, have you got any amusing plumber-related uh, or sort of visiting tradesman-related synthesizer um, uh, tales you'd, you'd care to tell? Conversely, we had Phil Oakey visit us today to look at our sink. Oh. <laughs> it's true. It's true. And he walked off of our Oscar. Oh. Did he buy it? Yeah, he's bought my Oscar. Ah, nice. That, that that tops it all. Yeah, I had Phil Oakey in the, in we, the we room. We keep it short. Short to the point. Uh, I've got that, actually. I've just got the sink and the sink. Nice. S-Y and yeah. synth. Sink and synth. Anyway, chaps, Dean Honer, Alan what Flanagan. You're, you're here now. Everything's, we're, we're ready. We're focused. We're ready to talk to you. Um, you guys, uh, the Eccentronic Research, Research Council, it's an interesting um, kind of project, really. Is this the first, the, the, the 1612 under is this the first thing that you've been working on, or is it, how did you kind of guys get together? That's a really cheesy question, but it's kind of quite a concept that I'll get onto a bit later. So what brought you together? We've been we've done stuff on and off together for probably the last fifteen years, I think. Not long. Would it be? When was the first Kings of Long Arms stuff? Uh, let's say two thousand and one-ish. Oh, right. it just seems like a long time. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I was I was I was young, yeah, young faced, youthful. Um, yeah, when he, he, he took was. me under his wing. He was only fourteen at the time. Yeah, uh, he said, "I'll take you for a dicky back ride around the studio." <laughs> No, so I, I recorded some stuff for Adrian for his pop band years ago, and we've done bits and pieces on and off ever since. Um, so it's, it's just a sort of ongoing relationship that's kind of formulated in this. Uh, I'm going to play a little bit of the uh, video for the 1612 Undertow, and then maybe you can kind of give okay. me a little bit of background and, and just sort of talk me through some of the other stuff that's involved okay. in the making of such a, a great work. So uh, here it comes. I might talk over it a bit to stop the YouTube um, copyright lawyers getting into uh, 
so that what you see there is a Maxine Peak. Yeah, Maxine Peak, the uh, actress, the famous actress, well known for playing pirate Hipley. So am I right in saying that this is actually a kind of compilation of the entire album in one video? Yeah, it's like a short, short version. Ah, gotcha. So it's like an edit. Yeah. Uh, Maxine's uh, voiceover comes in shortly. Uh, and I'll let that come in and then perhaps uh, I'll, I'll, I'll fade, to, uh, fade back to you guys and we can talk a little bit about the project. Is Maxine... I particularly like the uh, fan of Chris Rear part of that. So uh, that's Maxine Peak, uh, Maxine Peak um, in the kind of video. She's part of the project as well. And um, obviously you couldn't talk her into being here. I know she probably would if she could, but... Uh, yeah, yeah, definitely. Uh, <laughs> but so basically... Gazi's on it, though. But, the, I mean, in a nutshell... Um, the project is, is essentially, from what I can gather, it, it's like a kind of celebration of the 400th anniversary of the Pendle Witches, which was a, a kind of fa- infamous trial of, was it 15, 10 or 15 witches? For in, oh, I guess it would have been 12. 16, 12. Um, it was 12 witches. 12 witches. Now, yeah, 10, 10, were, 10 died. What, what, was, what was the kind of, what was the driving, was this something that's been cooking for a while or um, how, did that, how did this project come about? Um, I got talking to Maxine Peake about witch, witchy stuff because we're both from Lancashire. Um, what, what was what's what's the question? How did it get going? How did it start? Um, yeah, so we, we anyway, me and Maxine went for a day out to Pendle because we've always been interested in Pendle witches. Yeah, yeah. So sorry, it's a bit. Oh, what's this like this trial by camera <laughs> no, <that's all> right. <laughs> it's the same thing but kind of uh, 400 years later i just just yeah, yeah, exactly it's like Sith Lord dave spears in the middle <laughs> <laughs> um did did the uh, one thing i wanted to ask because a friend of mine actually had a girlfriend who lived near pendle and he went there and he said it was the scariest place he's ever been is that true or is that just kind of the the sort of rubbish that is is designed to sell uh, haunted house tours and that sort of thing designed to sell uh, uh, haunted house which, tours. which tea towels i think and which coasters, <laughs> coasters. <laughs> It's a bit spooky. And the people are a bit weird, but it's quite hard to get to. And you just kind of stumble upon it. It's very kind of back road, you know what I mean? Yeah. And, uh, well, I suppose it just. It, it's, it's a beautiful day, so it's quite a picturesque place. But And we were being watched, watched over by um, Alice Nutter's relative. Yeah, we went to the church. Well, which mafia were watching over us? We went to the church where one of the main witches is apparently has a has a grave and we were there to do some photographs for a paper for a newspaper and uh, the lady that was with us all day at the end she says oh i'm a nutter ah she as in uh, one of the related so her family had been in the village she was actually related to one of the head supposedly one of the head witches is that right yeah so her family had been in the village for she said more she's than lived, 600 years yeah she's you know? her family lived in that house for five 600 years yeah she, 
So I'm I mean I'm guessing the kind of there's two aspects to this. Obviously, there's the sort of literary aspect, which is the uh, the, the poem side of it, the writing, which is is that kind of your bag, Adrian, or are you involved in the music as well? Correct. Yeah, well, both really. Both. Adrian did all the writing, all the uh, all the text. Yeah, I'm better writing than I am talking. <laughs> and uh, we did the music together. Yeah. Right. Because uh, I mean, there's there's a uh, basically it was just out. It's on Finders Keepers Records, and it's fair to say it's a kind of concept album, really. I mean, you don't really get many of those these days, and it, uh, that must be something that you you must be proud of in a way. Because I mean, you don't get certainly many electronic concept records either. Correct. Yeah. Well, I, I think because we've always we always try and do like pop music, so it was good to have that sort of um, free reign to use Dean synthesizers in a way that we don't normally use them really yeah. yeah yeah and we were you know we're both kind of we've both been talking about and been influenced by a lot of stuff from the 60s the radiophonic workshop stuff ruth white yeah what's a woman called ruth white who was around in the 60s who did some really creepy electronic music with um baudelaire poems over the top was one of the albums wasn't it yeah correct. um so we've been talking about it and this just i don't it just seemed to come together quite naturally really so where did you start? I mean, did you start with the idea of creating a sonic landscape that the words would work into, or did you just kind of, you know, I guess, you know, wait for it to happen? Yeah, well, the, the thing is, like I was saying, I, as I was about to say, I went to Pendle with Maxine Peake, yeah. the actress, just for the day, just to scan the area. That was my research for it, really. But then it was only like months afterwards that I decided I'd like to write something about it. Um, which just came quite naturally once once the seed was was about me. <laughs> <laughs> and with the instrumentation, you know, it's 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 simple, but everything is kind of very specifically positioned. I mean, there's rarely more than two or three elements going on there. I mean, do you find that something that is easy to to do, or did you have to be really disciplined about it? Um, I think it was a case of leaving enough space for the words because it's all about the words really <clears throat> so not try not to clutter it up too much you know and try not to distract from the actual listening to the words but it's also too we wanted to wanted to kind of de-urbanize music a little bit rather than having the usual kind of dance beats and all the rest of it in there you know like you would do with an electro pop tune for instance you know what i mean Which yeah is absolutely the other, the other side of what we do yeah. Ah. Okay. So this was. So it was, was kind of like stripping back to like old school sort of soundtracky music and library music, and kind of trying not to use so many beats. Yeah. I mean, that's very tempting because I mean, beats are very much the kind of uh, the transport for everything these days, and and they take up so much much room. It's hard to leave yeah. any nuance, isn't it, around it? I guess. Whereas if you listen to sort of music with without the drums or the beats, it sometimes sounds really good. that breakdown becomes the becomes unlearn what you've um what you're used to listening to i guess yeah so are there very uh are there there kind of instruments that you reach for for more so working in this particular sort of in this project than you would other ones because i mean the notice there's there's some sort of fairly complex stuff there's also it's also fairly bright and sort of almost sort of happy and light as well at times i mean you can infer a lot in that with it with with, did you try and limit the number of instruments you used probably we just went for the oldest ones we had really (laughs) and the most ancient 
Yeah, we, we used like the M synthy quite a lot, didn't we? The, uh, ah, okay. The EMS synthy, there was the, the mini a uh, mini Moog and yeah, um, Oberheim used that quite a lot. The Oberheim two voice. No, they're, they're really the main ones. Yeah. And of course they had the really ancient G Force Mtron as well. Absolutely. Yeah. Well yeah. I, really old. I'd imagine well you've already said that your uh, that, that your studio is at the top of the stairs. I'd imagine getting a, a full Mtron M four M four hundred up there would have been a little bit uh, challenging. Yes, yeah. It probably wouldn't fit in my studio anyway. And in terms of the beats that you did use, I mean, was that from the original machines or were you kind of sampling, mixing and matching? Most most of it either came from from the original machine, or we we made sounds, you know, we we made beats out of synth noises. Yeah, than, I mean, a lot of the beats are kind of like kick, kick drums and, and snares are kind of off the mini moog. You know, white noise off the mini moog is really good for snares and stuff. So a lot of it's kind of made up. Yeah, well, that's so interesting. So, I mean, it, it, sort of avoid any kind of urban elements. <laughs> if you know what I mean? Yeah, 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 yeah. I've got you. Like folky in a weird way. Yeah. So in terms of the way that you do that, I mean, obviously one of the, you know, if you listen back to some of the early Human League stuff, which I guess you must be familiar with having had Phil just over for, yeah. for, uh, for, for the Oscar, that um, the, the, the way that you play that in, did you, did you play to grid or you just try and leave it all loose and work? Because it does sound quite rigid and tight. I mean, if that's... The... Uh, some of it was. Well, not... No. Some of it's quite loose. I mean, yeah. we tend... To not to use that much MIDI. So we place, we usually just play stuff in live and then cut it up afterwards to tie it up if it needs it. Right. Got you. So um, I don't use MIDI because my, my MIDI is rubbish for some reason. It's just <laughs> not tight. You know what I mean? It's just infuriating. At the moment I play stuff in, if I do play stuff with MIDI, it's kind of, it comes back like a quarter of a bar too early and stuff. So it's just, it's just really annoying. So oh, I tend yeah, to, no. we tend to use the, I use Cubase. I tend to use Cubase as a multi-track tape recorder, which you can edit on really simply. You know, right? We yeah. don't use that many MIDI instruments, really. I mean, as I say, the only kind of real MIDI instrument we used on this was, was the Mtron. Was the Mtron? Except no less, the Mtron. <laughs> <laughs> Dave must be feeling very proud at the moment. Yeah, I don't think you don't lock it, does it? I was going to record. just try and record that. It's not moved. I thought he was staring us out. <laughs> he's just trying to make out you've got a very atmospheric shot there because you're so yours with the light shining behind you and it's it's also uh so very so very bright there so i mean you uh dean you're not originally from sheffield i mean you kind of moved up um when i mean what was it attracted you about the area i mean apart from the uh the, the, the beautiful scenery i'd imagine the beautiful ladies <laughs> of course i was about 18 i met um someone from sheffield on holiday it was someone I ended up living with in London and used to come up and visit Sheffield and the music scene was really good at the time. So we're talking kind of mid, early to mid eighties when sort of bands like quite a lot going on, Cabaret Voltaire, Clock DVA, the old scene, uh. Heaven 17, um, Pulp and stuff like that. And I just ended up, I thought the music scene was a bit more vibrant and a bit more contained in Sheffield than it was in London. It was a bit more, bit friendlier and stuff so i just ended up moving up to do music which is what i've done really yeah absolutely i mean you've got kind of quite i mean between you've got quite a pedigree of kind of flirting with the 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 pop charts and and you know some of the more experimental side of electronic music as well i mean you know your stuff i'm starting out certainly coming to the fore anyway that i'm aware of with the i um with the i monster 
stuff. I mean, how, what, what was there a kind of tipping point from when you were working, starting to work that way where, you know, cause the, um, the, uh, the beat goes on. That's all CNI, that one. It's yeah. all CNI. Sorry. The, uh, the, the one I was thinking about is actually, Daydream. yeah. Daydream in blue. Uh, yeah. you know, it was massive. I mean, it went absolutely massive. Was that the kind of first time you'd experienced that whole thing? Uh, well, the all C and I that came before came just before then, so I did have success with that in about 1998. So we had, I think we had like two or three top ten records. So I went on top of the pops and stuff with the all C and I. Who so else was, was on that week? Who else was on all? Was it Sonia? <laughs> <laughs> now that's Williams a... was on. Ah, oh, but um, but yeah, no. So as you you know. I, had a bit of success before that and the daydream track was a big track i think it sold quite well but it didn't actually go it sold very gradually over a long period of time so i think it only sort of got into the sort of top 20 or something or top 30 i'm yeah, trying to remember because it, 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 it had it had similar was there a basic underlying loop that was it this, a similar thing to the portrait glory box uh track or was it something else ours was a sample by the gunter kalman choir of a cover version I'm trying to think of the band that did the original track, which I think was a Dutch band. I can't remember their name, but the Gunter Kalman Choir did like easy listening versions of 60s pop hits. And they often had such a fantastic sound, didn't they? We sampled that. And obviously it's like beautifully recorded, which a lot of their easily listening stuff was. So we sampled that and that went, that goes all the way through the track and we put our vocoder bits and stuff over the top of it. I wanted to ask that because the vocoder is very kind of highly stylized and brilliant video, by the way, with that. Uh, you're, you're not the puppet master, are you? That was your... No, that's Jared. He was yeah. the master in that. What was the vocoder then? Let's have some, uh, let's have some details. It was um, an electro harmonics vocoder. Oh, really? The 70s one, I think. Interesting. I love it. Has that lovely kind of sliding low end, that articulation that just kind of is very, is very specific to that kind of vocoder, I guess. Yeah, I mean that whole track was done on just done using an Akai S three thousand and an Atari ST. So all the music on it was just done inside the Akai. Right. It's often the best way, isn't it? Yeah. So all the vocals we recorded were recorded <laughs> into the Akai and just played off a keyboard into the Atari. Oh, brilliant. Uh, quite those rudimentary were, those were the days i remember right. doing that sort of thing and then time stretching put, using pitch bend in the gaps to try and fit the the, the timing back together with the uh and, and with the with the eye monster daydream wasn't there something with the beta band having the same sample at the same time there was something i seem to remember is, yeah well what happened been, there we originally released a version of daydream on an album in maybe 1996 i think slightly ah. different version using the same sample right. and it took a while to get picked up and um, a label picked up on it and yeah. I think we were going to get signed we were going to get signed to heavenly records which was part of some other major label and then they were told not to sign us because the beta band were about to release their big comeback sing- single which also had the same sampling wow. so we ended up signing to a different label anyway but yeah we put we managed to get ours out the week before theirs was put out. Yeah, because I, I seem to remember they scuppered their song a little bit and they were a little bit miffed. Yeah, well, you know. It's, uh, All's fair in love and war and, re- <laughs> and record releases. We'd, we'd had that song, you know, our, our, song, our use of that track had been quite well known 
from doing that. a radio call that as well already. Yeah. Cool. I wasn't sure which way it was, so that's really interesting. Thank you. Yeah, no, there's a few. I mean, there's been a few bands that have used the sample anyway. But I think ours is probably the most well-known use of it, I think. So, uh, I mean, the other thing I was going to ask you about was um, sort of moving on to your kind of, de- uh, well, actually, go, just rewinding slightly. Um, so is one of you or, you know, have you, do you do you work with kind of vinyl junkies or are you a vinyl junkie and kind of finding all this stuff? I mean, where do you source all of your 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 samples for? Are you, are you a, a crate digger? I'm not personally. I mean, Adrian's probably more of a vinyl man than me. But at the time when we did the iMonster stuff, Jared was buying a lot of easy listening stuff. And we kind of raided that for our first first album, which we ended up releasing ourselves and giving away for free because it had so many samples on it. It was just unclearable. <laughs> it would have cost like hundreds of thousands of pounds to clear it. it just an administration. Yeah, because I mean, if you, I guess in those instances, if it's a cover of an easy listening of a, it's finding out where the original stuff was. Yeah, first album was called These Are Our Children, which had the original version of Daydream on and every track used different samples. We just did it for fun, and then people liked it. But we just, after Daydream was a hit, we said, oh, we've got all these tracks we can put on like the album, because we didn't have many tracks to follow it up for an album. They said, oh, it's just like chock full of samples. So that's why it took us quite a long time to follow up the single with an album. It took us a year, because we had, virtually had to write a whole new album. Uh, <laughs> Sorry, guys, we can't use any of that stuff. Have you got anything else? Yeah. Yeah. I can imagine that must have been a bit of a shock. Avoid samples. That's so, awesome. So we we try to avoid sampling nowadays. Yeah. Yeah. You see, it's too, it's too easy just to reach for the rare record in your collection. and um, Well, and also there are, there are so many kind of collection agencies and people who specialise in just eking out this stuff and kind of – it's almost like the, uh, the drive-by lawyer sort of culture, isn't it? There are people who only specialise in, I'll find a sample for you, you know, I'll find somewhere where it's been used and uh, no win, no fee kind of stuff, I guess. That's yeah. why you hear so many people using Dave's Entron loops. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, that's probably true. They're, they're yeah. Free, aren't they? No free song, you know, you don't have to clear them. So a lot of people, you hear them on, on telly everywhere in loads of different songs. Yeah, the Octagon stuff yeah. is getting bigger and bigger and bigger. I mean, more people are kind of discovering that. And it's just got that vibe about it, that old school vibe. So yeah, nice. you could mix that with something contemporary and you've instantly got a kind of old nostalgic vibe. It just works brilliantly. Yeah. But no clearance hassle. Well, that was another question I was going to ask you because, I mean, that you know, that. All the way through the thread, you know, from the never uh, the the eye monster, the um, uh, all seeing eye, the all seeing eye, and the later stuff that you've been doing. I get, I, I'm not familiar with the add n to x, but there's and, and certainly this uh, underture, the sixteen twelve underture. There's a sort of there's like a sheen of vintage to the whole thing. I mean, is that a production process or is it just kind of the way it turns out? Um. I think I Monster, we did we did like the idea of mixing up modern electronics with old samples. That was kind of what what kicked us off, really. Um, with it, we've always yeah, we, we've always used kind of well vintage analog synths as well. Yeah, um, we just love the sound of it. You know, we like the sound, you know. And so, this, we we deliberately tried to give this the sixteen twelve underture. We've not used any samples really, but. We've used old synths, but we've used them through old tape echoes as well. So it's got a lot of it's got kind of a very sixties kind of feel to it as yeah. well. Yeah, no, I, I've got that. I, know, I mean, I go. I mean, it goes fantastically with Maxine's kind of classic look as well. Even dressed as a nun. I mean, where did that come from? Is that, why a nun? 
from Adrian's brain. I, I, think. I liked the um, the kind of the juxtaposition between like witchcraft and yeah, um, religion, um, you know, Jesus, you know, <laughs> so-called good and evil, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can see when, that. When in, in sort of a, in the seventeenth century, they were both exactly the same. You know, they were both being hunted down and hung and executed for having their beliefs. Yeah, I've got. I, I think I, I, yeah, I could see that. It was interesting. I mean, you've been doing some gigs with this. I, I, I did find a couple of YouTube videos of you. There was uh, you played in Man, uh, Manchester at the 2022 Club. And uh, have you? Is that going to be an ongoing thing? Uh, it's all. I guess it's more down to the availability of our famous actress friend. Yeah, really. We can. We can only do really bespoke one-off kind of events. Really. I mean, uh, and, and that's because what because she works. She works. All, you know. Yeah. For four months on a, a film or TV or whatever. You know, our time and she'll have a week off and in that week she's got to prepare for the next job. Probably not you wanting know, to do a gig particularly. Yeah. So that really. But we you know, we will be. We'll be we'll be doing the odd one off here and there. And are you doing but that? We're doing uh, one in Sheffield next week. Ah, right, okay. And how are you doing it's that? Spie- you- a Spiegel tent. Oh, well, the Spiegel tent. Yeah, that's that's been in Bath as well. That's down in Bath for the Fringe Festival. I've been in the Spiegel tent. It's the was it nice? Yeah, it's beautiful. It's like a nineteen a recreation of the nineteen twenties Berlin um, um, kind of like festival tent made of wood. It's really it really interesting venue actually. Really good. So I better go and get myself a Basque to slip into. <laughs> I think that would be a very good look with the hat, the glasses, the beard, and a Basque. Very, I think there's you know, what more could a girl need. How how are you doing it live then? Are you do are you taking this stuff out or are you trying to tr- are you keeping it in the computer in the vocal? I mean, how are you doing that? Yeah, we take take about six or seven analog synths out of us. Yeah, can't we? And there's a <coughs> a bit of backing. Yeah. Well, I mean, <laughs> <we're>... <coughs> oh, only a little bit. Only a tiny bit of backing. Yeah. Just like the drum the drum loops and stuff. Yeah, sure. Because I mean that, that yeah that's going to be a nightmare. Because we don't want to take a drummer out with us. I can, I can understand that. Not many people do, really. I'm sure Dave can vouch. Yeah, never take a drummer out. <laughs> not worth it. It's not worth the risk. <laughs> well, as, I, as I've said in the past, generally the better the drummer in terms of the micro-timing, there's a, a, a sort of a, a non-linear graph of the better the timing on a, on a beat per beat level, the worse it is on a kind of be there at four kind of level. Right, okay, yeah, that makes sense. It's like this sort of weird time kind of inversion thing that's going on. I'm not quite sure how it works there, but I tend to find. Um, And so, yeah, yeah, so you're doing some of these gigs. I mean, how how did it go down? I mean, because on the face of it, this project is kind of quite um, left to centre. It's sort of, you know, I'd say, you know, it's quite arty and quite sort of electronic, kind of quite uh, non-mainstream. But you'd be getting loads of media attention. I mean, it's everywhere. I mean, what what do you think it is that's kind of captured the imagination of of the public or the the, the punters or whatever? Um, I'm, I'm guessing because we've used we're musicians who have used their imagination, and that doesn't happen too often. <laughs> good, a good answer. Okay, <laughs> that's all. <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> I'm trying to think what else. I, actually, this is a good point to go. We we do we we do have a sponsor for this show, and I think I might just pop in and uh, and give them a little bit of uh, uh, a bit of love. So, uh, if you want to hold that thought, I'll be back in just a moment. 
So uh, thank you very much to Yamaha for their continued sponsorship of the show. Uh, what you're seeing here, if you're watching the video version, which I strongly recommend that you do, is a Yamaha world of apps. This is uh, apps for the iOS devices, mainly on the iPad, really, but there's a whole bunch of different ways that you can utilize app- Yamaha apps from the keyboards, ARP, and drum pad, which is now actually the synth ARP and drum pad. Uh, with built-in synth functions, software synthesizer with 61 sounds, 7 kits plus effects, 5 songs, 16 drum pads, MIDI loop recorder, a whole bunch of stuff. There's also Fader's XY pad, and this allows you to map um, the iPad controls to a bunch of different instruments uh, from Yamaha. Motif XF, Mox, S90X, S70XS, Motif XS and Rack XS allows you to kind of set up the mixes, the EQ, the effects, all that kind of stuff. Uh, Multi-Editor Essential also allows you to perform, uh, to, to create voice edits, effects and MEQ, also compatible with the same instruments as well. So for a Yamaha World Apps, it's over 20 apps we're talking about. Oh yeah, here's the set list organizer. This is a really good one. Sends out MIDI program changes to your MIDI data, to your MIDI devices that you can flip in time with the set along with notes for you know what lyrics you might need to remember. Very useful little application and a whole bunch of them. In fact, if you want to find out more about the Yamaha apps collection, go to uk.yamaha.com. Thank you very much to Yamaha for taking the sponsorship of the show. Hooray to Yamaha. Hooray to Yamaha. Thank you very much for that help there. I'm sure. You use any Yamaha? You got any old Yamaha synth, guys? Yeah. yeah. We use one live, the SY2. SY2. God, that's the sort yeah, of yeah. organ hybrid synth, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, proper one, yeah. It's a monophonic. Ah, okay. Yeah, yeah. And it's got, it's got, the, um, it's got the sort of the, those kind of three position uh, fadery switches type things, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, like you can choose. Yeah, it's preset sounds, but it's got a really good um, programmable section as well. And you can assign aftertouch to your filter or vibrato. And it's, ah, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's, just got a really, it's just got a really crazy sound. The Radiophonic Workshop used one in, in the 70s. It's a precursor to the, to the CS80 type technology, I guess, right? It is. It's supposed to have a very similar filter. Ah, that's nice. Very similar sound to it. Dave had a, I met Dave recently, well, a few months ago, we met up, and uh, he had a go on it and was mightily impressed, I think. Yeah, we tried getting a couple failed miserably but no it sounds really great really does sound it's a really quirky sounding interesting synth it's got character isn't it yeah yeah a lot do they do they do, do there's a poly is there an sy there are other sy's which are polyphonic that have a more of an organ section as well or am i completely imagining that i don't know i know there's an sy one which is the one just before it which isn't as good but it, i don't know there was a few SYs, weren't there? They had like SY later one, SY85, like digital things. I don't know what the organs were called. Yeah, they weren't related to it, were they? The no, SY85? no, no. I don't know what the organs were called. I mean, they did have a load of home organs that had the CS80 technology in. Oh, yeah. yeah. Well, that's some of those real beasts. I mean, we've, yeah. we've covered them in the podcast before when you see them showing up on uh, on YouTube. And it's like, yeah, buy a collect because you realise it weighs about three quarters of a tonne. Yeah, yeah. There's Dave reaching for the A to Z of synthesizers. Uh, a man, every a book that every man should have. Dean, I'm I'm, assu- I'm assuming you might have some of this. I mean, where do you, where where do you go for your uh, your synth collection? I mean, do you do you kind of like think I need one of these, or do you just see stuff and just go, yeah, I'm going to get that? Or I mean, how do you how do you choose the instruments that you got? Because I mean, imagine you must have limited space and resources to have all of these things and keep them maintained, right? Yeah. That's the main thing, really. It's good that I've got limited space. Um, so it's like I've just 
sold the Oscar. I bought a Profit Five, so they, you know, financially it was kind of the same deal. Is that what you tend to do? You tend to swap them out and kind of explore them and then uh, sort of... Yeah, with, with, with some things. Some things are keepers that I keep that I won't get rid of. But other things, yeah, I'll, I'll just use them for a bit and if I get bored, I'll I'll sell them and get something else in. So am I sensing that you're getting into polysynths at the moment by the uh, acquisition of the Profit 5? Well, I didn't really have a polysynth. I used to have a JX8P, which it was, I didn't really like that much. Um so I just wanted a decent polysynth. I got like a like a Moog Opus, which is a that was the only polysynth I had really. So yeah, I got the Profit Five, which is all right. It's quite nice. I think I prefer to get a big Oberheim though. I prefer the sound of the the Oberheims. So what's the core of your you know what's what's your kind of core of of, of synthesizers that you kind of that you probably would never swap out? Uh, I don't know. I mean, recently it's been the. The Mini Moog we've used a lot, and the Oberheim 2 voice. I've got an MS-20 and an MS-10. I've had the MS-20 since I was about 18. Good man. Yeah, we, we love the MS. Which is, I mean, they're always good, and I've just sort of got started getting like a modular thing together, which that will probably change. You know, I'll probably sell bits out of that and add new bits. Yeah, I mean, that's... But, a, I mean, that, I'm, pre- that... I'm pretty happy with what I've got, really. There's not much else that I want. That's such an unusual statement coming from a person who makes electronic music. I'm all power to you. That is that is very impressive. I'm just not. I'm not. I've got the EMS. I've got the Synthy as well. You know, which is endlessly because I don't know how to use it properly. So it just always throws something up. I don't think anybody does, do they? No, apart from maybe the bloke really, who invented really. it. That's the great thing about it. I think a lot of digital inf- um, sort of instruments, though, kind of, kind of, it's like a devolution of sound in a lot of ways. Thing, whereas in the older stuff, always sounds that good. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean, I, I, I don't know. I, so is there is there nothing is there nothing digital that you use then? You try are you purely in the analog world. I mean, is there nothing there that you think that that, that, that sort of proves the exception? Um, uh, we haven't got any digital instruments no, apart no. from software instruments. I've got um a Yamaha. I've just bought that. Well, I just got an Emacs actually off Dave. Oh, an Emacs sampler, which I'm getting fixed up. Which I'm really looking forward to. So I quite like. Did it not work? He won't be using that on my it just, stuff. It just had a re- <laughs> it's got a really noisy hard drive. But I've got a guy that yeah. replaced the hard drive with a card reader. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah, that's the way to do it. So um, that, that I think that's going to be really interesting. It's got about four seconds of sampling time or something. So and, Adrian, uh, I mean, uh, just coming back to you, sir, so are, are you are you kind of like a. a, a um, a purist. Uh, a purist, yeah. I mean, no. do you do you show up with a book and a few ideas in your head, or do you kind of have a writing system that you work on as well? And how does that work? Um, it's a secret. <laughs> right. <laughs> I, I, I do it in all different kind of ways, really. Sometimes I'll, I'll use a dictaphone or something and I'll have a few like ideas. Sometimes it's something written down. Sometimes it's something I've done on a laptop. You know what I mean? Um well, we always, I always end up analoguing everything. Right. Re-recording everything here with Dean. That makes sense, yeah? Yeah, yeah. no, absolutely. So this is the kind of hub of, of where all the music kind of comes out of you. Is this the room yeah, that most, you... Yeah, most of it, yeah. Do you mix there as well? Is that the kind of... Do you finish yeah, up? Yeah. You do everything there? Yeah. Yeah. And how do you... Just out of interest, I mean, how do you monitor? What kind of uh, monitor setup do you use to sort of... I've got very old... Um, 
What are they called? Teledyne Acoustic AR18 speakers. I they were the, I remember those. They were the uh, equivalent of the NS10s, weren't they? Back in the day, you had those or the AR18s. Yeah, they're the sweeter than the NS10s. They're all all paper, paper tweeters and paper cones. And I've got like some big subwoofer thing under the table. That's uh, that's me, dude. <laughs> hey, is that a subwoofer? Uh, or are you just pleased to see me? Yeah. And just uh, an old A and R Cambridge sort of seventies amp as well. Really, nothing nothing very very expensive or anything. But it, I'm kind of used to the sound of it now. I've had it for quite a few years, so. That's sort of what's important to me. Uh, yeah, no, I totally agree. I mean, you've just got to have consistency, otherwise, you just—it's so hard to to know what's going on. I mean, that's the, that. I, I've been guessing this maybe was. Did, have you always worked in your own space, or was there pressure, perhaps, when you were in uh, All Seeing Eye and Eye Monster, to kind of do proper mixes in big studios? Pressure, you know, pressure from record companies to kind of take that approach. No, not really. We always insisted on working not going into big studios but, but telling them that, that you were using big studios yeah. getting invoices for big studios <laughs> I've always just done it in back bedrooms yeah all the all CNI stuff was done in back bedrooms all the iMonster stuff was done in Jared's bedroom studio or my bedroom studio I've never I've done other people's music in big studios but never my own projects really and how do you find that transition? I mean, because the thing, when I was doing lots of remixes and they said, yeah, we want you to go somewhere to do it. It's just like, yeah, but I don't know where anything is or how any of it works. It just, I found it really, it may be very insecure. Exactly. And, you, you know, unless you take your own speakers with you as well. And it's, it, yeah. I don't, I mean, it's okay, I suppose, if you're recording like a, a proper band, like a guitar band with a drummer and you want that big big rock sound then sometimes you need to go into a big studio with a good sounding room but i wouldn't i don't think i could mix anything in another room you can record in other rooms but not mix to mix it at home i think yeah who'd yeah one of the big rock sound anyway who'd want it yeah, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so, yeah. well isn't the surely isn't that going to be the next uh, project of the eccentronic research council i mean you've got to yeah, kind of re- do, a album, yeah. do a rock album like maybe yeah, like a be based on the uh, persecution of the spice girls <laughs> I'm going to get Mel B to voice it. Now, there's a, there's a thought. Yeah, the way I roll. Well, so, I mean, no, but but seriously, I mean, what what are you, you know, I mean, this is only just going, you know, I mean, it's got legs, you're, you're, you're promoting it, you're doing all that side of things. What uh, Have you got other projects in mind that you want to take forward from here or is it going to be one-offs and, and, and occasionals? Um, well, I think for, the, for this, the ERC thing, We'd like to do another another record, but that's that's still in kind of the conceptual stage, thinking about what to do next. Um, I'm doing other stuff. I, I still produce other people, and I'm doing an Eye Monster album as well. So, We're doing the um, a, a project that, that another sort of project I do called the Chanteuse and the Crippled Claw, which is kind of like a girl group with me in it. Yes, yeah. I saw that with um, with the water pistols and the Maxine Peak as a bunny rabbit in the video. Yeah, yeah, that's that's, that's where I first met Maxine. I I do notice there's a thread of kind of uh, slightly cheesy horror uh, and intrigue, suspense kind of movie going through both your projects. Is that is that is that just what happens when you when you live up north, or is it a kind of is it a it. shared vision? <laughs> yeah, it's just my imagination. I think um, it is what happens when you move up north. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. everyone's like that up here. <laughs> <laughs> Why did you not do that gun stuff? <laughs> no, we. Uh, it's mostly dairy-based, uh, you know, cheese, fudge, uh, and uh, cream-based sort of uh, references here. So, um, next gig you said is in Sheffield next week. You say? 
Yeah, 29th of September. Okay, and then after that, I mean, obviously, it's... The splitting up. <laughs> That's... In our separate ways. I'm getting the feeling that you've got a kind of slight Malcolm McLaren kind of uh, uh, tinge to the way you like to run the project. Is that, would that be fair to say? You, you like the idea of kind of creating entities for the sort of public-facing side of things rather than kind of being being the, you know, being just you? Mm, I don't know. I am just being me. Okay. <laughs> That's fair enough. That's pretty much it. Is there any other stuff that you've got that you want to kind of talk about? I mean... That's the only other. That's the sort of as, as far as my research can take me. Or if there are any other questions from the panel, that would be. Uh, now is the time. I'd quite like to hear a little bit more about the number six festival at Port Merion. Did you play that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. How was it? Because we were asked to go, um, but but it fell apart. Oh, it's brilliant! Really, really good festival. Really nice size. Um, Lovely people. A kind of more mature audience you might say rather than middle class i'd say yeah yeah but i mean there wasn't it's not like it wasn't like thousands and thousands of drunk students it was kind of people with families and stuff like that people with taste people with taste yeah you know <laughs> and did you did you did you do you did the gig with maxine there that was the the yeah, maxine turned up, yeah. yeah. She, she in the ballroom alfresco ballroom tent we were in yeah that was no. really good it was really good. It was packed which out. Which was curated by Finders Keepers and Bird Records. Right, which is the label that you're on. I'll put this record out, yeah. Yeah, we were going to try and get up there um, and do some interviews for somebody else. but um, then no, it was, it was, It's really, really good. It should happen all the time, but I have, I have a feeling next year it'll be a different vibe because you know, people will cut on to how, how lovely it was. Depends on what bands they have on and stuff, doesn't yeah, it? Yeah, maybe. Depends on the, the list of people, list of bands as to what type of crowd they'll draw in you know i think yeah. if they keep this if they keep in, having us every year yeah yeah get people who like sort of outsider um poet poetry <laughs> didn't you order headline was that the am I... yeah they did yeah yeah that's got to have pulled a big crowd as well i'd imagine so you've been pulling that's making it a bit more mainstream perhaps that's always the danger isn't it you kind of yeah. the promoter wants to get the punters through the door to make sure they sell the tickets but as soon as you start doing that it turns into something else yeah definitely it's yeah. a shame it's a, it's a beautiful place, Port Marion, anyway. I'm a big prisoner fan. I've never been. Did they have plenty of um, large white balloons bouncing around the place? They did. They actually they did. did. Yeah, yeah. Why wouldn't they? Why wouldn't they? You'd have no, to really. really acting wouldn't... scenes as well from the... Doing human chess and stuff like that. Oh, brilliant. Did you do the gig in one of those blazers with the um, with the kind of trim around the outside? Oh, New Order did that. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. They're predictable. <laughs> <laughs> Well, that's because you know why that is. Is because they continue to use modern technology. You think? <laughs> yeah, I know. Right. <laughs> Maybe you should have a word. Maybe they need you guys to produce their next record. Yeah, an Oscar of us. <laughs> it's going, everyone's going backwards. Because going forwards is... Just, just a, yeah, it's a dead end. <laughs> <laughs> going forwards is just too well, easy. The, I bought the album yesterday. You can buy this from. Let me let me do all the uh, all the buy it now here. This is the Eccentronic Research Council uh, at Tumblr. There's the there's basically the website with the project information on it. Oh, pick of the week on rock and pop in the Guardian. Yeah. Well done, chaps. Yeah. And um, Finders Keepers Records is where you can buy it. 
Nice cover. That's very. Uh, that, that's a very um, sort of Peak District kind of thing, but in a really sort of uh, modernistic way. Designed by Andy Votel. Lovely. I like who's that. The, uh, who's the guy that runs the label? Very reasonably priced at eight quid. Oh, you got vinyl as well. Vinyl, yeah. Handmade. Oh, that's nice. Handmade sleeves. Are you doing that thing? Kind of electronic folk folkways record. Are you doing that thing where you do kind of special editions one where they get to have a night on the piss with you or something, you know, for extra extra money, or are you just keeping it to vinyl and uh, vinyl and digital? Vinyl and digital at the moment, but it's a good idea. I like that. <laughs> I'm sure a night out with you guys would be uh, worth every penny, frankly. Yeah, this is us sober. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, you can get it from Finders Keepers Records. Available now for download or vinyl? Is it limited edition vinyl, I'm guessing, or, or uh, have you got... because yeah, it's, it's like a handmade sleeve. So. Right, okay. So that's the limited edition. 100, I think. Right, okay. And lots of information about the project and, like I say, also at uh, Tumblr. So are you good at keeping up your uh, your, your blogs? and info? Is this is this website... Yeah, usually. I've, I've just been busy all week, so I've not, I've not updated the, the blog for a couple of weeks. There's been loads of press since then. Trust me. Yeah, uh, no, I, I, I know. There's loads of glowing reports. Of... Absolutely. Well, that's why we're... Priv- are you related to Mike, but... You know what? That's a question that comes up quite often. Uh, no, I'm not. Not at all. What were you calling me Alan before? But no, I'm not, rela- I'm not related to Mike Bat, no. No. Uh, I wish I was, because that would be great to have, like, a really wealthy uncle, because I'm sure he's absolutely minted. I'm sure he is. We did a... Minty. We did a Radio 3 interview recently, like a proper poet thing. And uh, we were giving our, our name tags. <laughs> and mine says, mine was fine. It was like Dean Honer, guest, Radio 3. With Adrian, it was Adrain Flanagan. Just <laughs> <laughs> literally, no one could get it. No one could get it right. <laughs> anyway, guys, thank you very much for joining us. Uh, it's been a pleasure to have you on. I wish you every luck with the project, actually. It's very interesting stuff and, and the gigs. And maybe it uh, may it long continue. Um, and uh, we'll look forward to more stuff. Executed. <laughs> wow, that was free form. Thank you very much for sorting that out, Dave. Though always interesting to have kind of uh, 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 you know electronic artists on, especially I mean because they're doing it really well at the moment. I mean that's it's really captured the the uh, the media. Um, it's fascinating because it seems whatever Dean turns his hand to always ends up kind of capturing some form of the media in some way. You know, he did a load of stuff in... I mean, obviously, that he produced... Uh, or him and uh, Jared from Iron Monster produced the last Human League album. But yeah. they also did, they've also done stuff with Tara as well. Yeah, amazing. iOS 6 is uh, dropping today. Yes, uh, I wrote a little piece about it. I actually did some timely comment. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I mean, I am really cheesed off with Apple big time. And, I, you know, I kind of think, you know... Doing the show, doing the Sonic Touch show, is so people maybe think that I'm some sort of Apple fanboy, and, I, and I'm not. I'm not. I just kind of, uh, I, you know, I love it being a platform of interesting new software and ideas. That's what I like. But the actual company themselves, they really wind me up because I've just heard about how my iPhone 4, which is only just about a year old, a lot of all the cool new stuff that's coming out is not going to be on that. Uh, so it's kind of oh, isn't like, it? no I think iPhone 4 it's 3S is the last one that iOS oh, 6 doesn't work on no iOS 6 will work on it ah 
lot of the functions, a lot of the functions which I've only found out today are not going to kind of function on my on my phone. And I'm just kind of thinking how mean, how mean, mean. I know they, they play the corporate game, don't they, thoroughly. But I, well, know. I wonder whether it's the process because the thing I'm, you know, I'm, I'm having the same thing, which is basically my iPad won't run iOS 6, just won't run it. So that's that then. I have to get a new one if I want to run anything that's going to take advantage of any of that stuff. But it becomes an interesting point, doesn't it? Because, I mean, you know, how long uh, lifespan things are having now seems to be getting shorter and shorter, doesn't it? You know, it's sort of, there's almost an understanding that people want to only have a phone for... Two years. Two years, yeah. Uh, although I did, I did actually think about this and thought, well, in the iPhone's case, what is pretty cool, though, is that it still remains an excellent sort of musical device, you know, running, because there's so much wonderful software still out there that will run them. So, you know... So it still is, as opposed to I've got a drawer with some old banger phones in there that are good for nothing. Um, but, uh, uh, you know, I, I just, as I say, I, I was a little bit annoyed with Apple, just thinking, oh, you know, just because that just, just does seem to be shortening and shortening and shortening. Um, yeah, I guess. I mean, there's, there's a lot of, uh, there's a lot of, I mean, you know, the thing that annoys me is the dock, the connector dock. I think that's just malicious, really. There's really no need for that. And also, it means that now, uh, the other thing about the dock is there's no longer an analog out or pin out on that. So anything that you want to take into the analog world outside of that needs a converter. So even if you get a lead, it's going to have to have an A to D converter into it or whatever. Uh, I didn't know that. Mm. I mean, you can kind of understand. They've said, well, that connector's been around for 10 years. So what? <laughs> Yeah, and so yeah, that means yeah. why it has to change just because it does. It just, you know. Well, I mean, you know, people who make peripherals, I mean, the big companies probably will be fine, but I mean, a lot of the kind of you know, music companies are going to be um, a little bit. Uh, I mean, like, for instance, there's the new Tascam iOS. I can't remember what it's called now. It's a little Tascam, it's a little audio interface, and it's got an unremovable built in connector that connects to a uh, iPad or an iPhone and it actually has got a little trap door that you can put it back into but you can't disconnect it and I mean that's a new product as well and uh, yeah well they're screwed aren't they for that but I mean you know we don't need to have the latest phone it's just got you know that's there will be I mean all they want to do is create lines around the block so that they can uh, break the $700 you know it's, it, there are different motives for that sort of thing and that's the thing that's annoying you know we just become pawns in the well in yeah the corporate uh, the corporate shares game which i always find distasteful but and and, and that's the thing you see because it really does go so much against so many things that i really believe in and you know i was kind of thinking about the show is the show that i'm doing and promoting their products and thinking but i really as i say it just would rather be you know so using it to show these fantastic new ideas and stuff so yeah. you know i'm really kind of caught between that, that between that really um, right i'm trying to uh let's see if i get that going in there and i'll put myself in the corner but uh, uh, yes um what was it there was some other oh did you see that op1 thing i i could play that because that's actually got something that i can we can have quickly get in as a topic if you like mm. It might play as well. There it goes. This is uh, obviously the... Uh, 
teenage engineer OP1. This is, and this is just, I just love the idea of this because basically it's like a little thing that you put on top of a knob and a couple of elastic bands and it's got software uh, enhancements that allow you to kind of utilise it <laughs> in various ways. And what I like about that whole thing is it's sort of cutting edge of technology together with elastic bands and what looks like a wa- wa- washing up bottle top. I just love the idea of that. And I know, I don't know if anyone, I know none of you've got um, OP ones and you know, people are sort of torn whether it's like way overpriced or whether it's the coolest thing since sliced bread. But I just like that concept. I mean, Dave, you've got, a, got one's got to appreciate the sort of the idea of elastic bands and knob caps, surely. I thought it was just brilliant, really brilliant. We used to do little overlays for the fat boy. You know, it's like if you're using a JV 1080, you can put this overlay, and I sent that to Chris and just went, it's come on a little way since overlays. Now they've got rubber bands. That would have been really cool, wouldn't it? Yeah. Very, very very, cool the way it was implemented in software as well, though. Yeah, really neat. So it can tell that the, that the knobs yeah, presumably... Yeah, what the gizmo is, yeah. 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 Very cool. Nice, good, fun thing. Good, fun thing. I know, Gaz, do you like the idea? Have you got... Well, actually, I was going to ask you, Dave, actually, is there, have you got anything similar that you do with any of your analogue synths that allow you to kind of do multiple knob twiddling or button pressing at the same time? No, but I'm quite adept at knob <laughs> <laughs> twiddling. I can. No, I am... Um, I use the these fingers and I use them to roll the outside of the knob so I can actually do things like that. Ah, okay. Uh, the only one I got was sticking down a key on the MS-20 so that there's always a note playing, and then you just trigger oh, that and gate it with a piece it's... of tape. Well, <laughs> I'm starting to shift out of here, weirdly enough, but um, the Andromeda, which is normally just up, up there, um, <laughs> normally I've used that for, like, because you can program arpeggios and sequences into it, and normally what I do is take a business card and just wedge it, you know, wedge a note down. And, and then just turn it down. Sometimes it's like that for weeks because I never turn anything off. And Chris comes in sometimes just sort of turns it out and goes, oh, yeah, nice arpeggio. Thanks. Oh, is that like, don't you get screen burn, though? It's like having the same image on an LCD or a CRT. It just kind of, like, stays there forever. There'll be a ghost of that arpeggio <laughs> on it, no matter what you play in the future. <laughs> I don't know, Gaz, have you got anything like that, that you kind of, the, the crank and, um, the, you know, with the... the, the, with the uh, you know, yeah. elastic band style um i can't think um, no i don't think so but i mean i you know i i did find it very amusing the uh, you know that those guys are as much into design and you know as they are maybe you know the musical side of things um you know and every, you know because uh, there's a whole range of stuff all those little kind of tiny little pieces of plastic they all come in their neat little bags don't they and then there's this little kind of new bag you know bag for the whole thing to go into and because uh, i think the company teenage engineering don't they before they did the OP1, they were doing, you know, they'd make like desk lamps and, but all about design, you know, all about design, design. Um, so, you know, I think it's quite interesting, isn't it? This kind of, you know, avant-garde-ish kind of design company making a synthesizer. So, uh, but do we know how much those little pieces of plastic cost? I'm sure they're massively overpriced, but um, I mean, they can't be, you know, hundreds of pounds or anything. But I, yes, I'm sure they cost way more than they, than they cost. I, I don't suppose they sell you an elastic band, though. <laughs> we have right though in 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 the um in the, the using little things like that it's so cool to try and i'm trying it's actually inspired me now i'm thinking of what i can use similarly now so it's got it's, it's definitely got my mind thinking along those lines so i'll uh, mm. 
I'll report back on and that. And also, but... it does it does outline the, the fact that those are military grade spec knobs, and they they uh, they have some sort of ridiculous operating temperature and a number of times that you can twist them, so they're not worried about that. And you saying that you know the uh, the Cuneo, the more I'm living with the Cuneo for just unusual ways of uh, um, you know changing parameters. The kind of various pressure things that you can do with the Cuneo is quite cool, and you can, you know, and that's quite physical as well. You can do quite. Wick- I'm doing some quite wicked physical stuff with the Cuneo, and kind of hitting it quite hard, and uh, yeah, and it, uh, but to trigger in kind of sound effects with touch and and location. Uh, so I suppose that's kind of been occupying a lot of my. Mm. Yeah, I just finished up the review, actually. I'd just been in communication with uh, Keith himself, actually. He replied to my emails and said, you know, just, just a couple of points that I'd mentioned, things that were slightly, you know, just needed a bit of clarification. So I've just got to tweak that up. But I feel honoured that he actually, uh, he, was my, um, he, he was my point of contact. Yeah, and I mean, he, I mean, it's interesting, isn't it? I mean, his, uh, uh, he is quite an interesting character in a way isn't it if you kind of look at what he's done and what he's created over the years and um electric violin uh, well the bow electric bow isn't it with uh um that i think he's created and uh ah, mark tinley wants to join us i'm just going to go and get him because we're doing topics now <laughs> fair enough mark mm. let's get let's just hey mark hello Oh, you're still listening to us. We're still, we're, gosh, I don't know how far, oh, how far thought, out we are. Oh, God, I don't know. I thought, hang on a minute, they're doing topics. <laughs> yes, we are. Uh, welcome, Mark. Mark Tinley, likebeing.com, just cu- coming at the last minute. Actually, I wanted to, um, I, we were just talking about that kind of idea of the OP1 and the kind of bend and the crank and the elastic band and stuff. Just wondered whether you had any other similar tricks that you could do with tape, um, you know, wedges or anything else that you do with synth or equipment. Well, I was just saying in the chat room, gaffer, gaffer tape's always good, or carpet tape, actually. And if you just take, cut the end of the roll and then stick it on a key and hang it down and leave, use the weight of the tape to pull the key down, that always works quite well. Fishing weight. And then, but I discovered something last night. It's funny you should be talking about this because I've been playing with my V-Synth. I've actually got it plugged in and I bought this new binaural uh, 3D plug-in from a company called Longcat in France and it's um, now that is really cool it's really believable binaural um, spatializing but I started teaching logic uh, the controllers on the synth and I discovered that I can map uh, one controller to various different things so that becomes quite interesting because you can turn one knob and then a whole load of things move in different directions so I'm just I'm going to play with that a little bit more and see if I can experiment with like you know uh, using a minimal amount of knobs to do multifunctional the maximum things. amount of damage. Yeah, yes, exactly. Interesting and idea. With a little bit of remapping in in the environment. You can you can set up all sorts of weird things that I'd never thought of before, and I kind of came came to it by accident, really. So. Oh, interesting. Um, I just realised, uh, well, not realised, um, next week we're going to be having, hopefully, the winner of the Iris competition because the winners have been announced. I'm going to uh, throw up the page here. Um, the Isotope Sonic State competition results. I just want to run through them quickly um, just because, you know, it, 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 this was the, the sort of nub of uh, the competition and um, we had a little bit to do with the uh, at least the initial discussions. Uh, Dave Spears is here, of course, who is the producer of said 
instrument, Iris. Uh, the winner was to- a guy called Tom Blazukas, uh, Noisex Sound Design, because um, he entered one in sort of pretty much every category. And the jo- everybody who judged it, um, PJ got involved, and uh, Mark, and also uh, there were a few guys over at Isotope, picked one of his in one category. So that's why he's the overall winner. Uh, ambient was a chap called Alan Stoger from Cambodia, of all places. Uh, he won, and the and then Isotope very kindly um, also gave runner-up prizes for all of the categories too. So everybody kind of everyone's a winner. Uh, then we had the ambient runner-up was uh, Richard Brajan with six cents. Uh, the pad category was won by John Leafcutter uh, from the UK with um, what was the name of the track? I can't see it from here. It doesn't quite work. And Stephen Hodd USA with the New Life, which was a great one, which was a made from a sonogram of his sister's baby, which sounds really cheesy, but it's actually very beautiful and, and, and is actually sounding great. Uh, melodic Henrik Iwan from China with Liquid Dance. Melodic runner-up Jope from Denmark with Ents. Uh, the Sonic Talk, Andy Dollison with Dark and Bullish, which is very... Spe- I feel I should play this one because this one is really a bit disturbing. This is the, um, the winner for the um, Sonic Talk category. I don't know who he used, but you were very popular, Mark, in uh, a lot of the clips. But this just is rather disturbing. And and just sort of makes me think of kind of sci-fi devils. Which I know, in the flesh, we're nothing like that. Uh, anyway, the Sonic Talk rugby up, uh, Soothsayer. Most popular was Anton Dybowski from Poland with Morph Drone. Uh, he's the guy who got the most votes and favourites and uh, tweets and what have you. So I just wanted to say congratulations everywhere. Hopefully next week we'll have uh, Tom Blazukas on uh, to uh, to tell us how he did what he did and, uh, and, and just a general bit of a chit-chat. So congratulations to everybody and thanks again. Mark, what were your impressions of the uh, overall uh, level of of entrance very impressed very very impressed actually i i'd I'd spent i think i think when i uh, said to you you know shall i get involved with this and you said yes that was about two o'clock in the afternoon and about 11 o'clock at night i sent you my findings didn't i yeah so i spent almost half a well probably an entire working day i suppose listening to them well there were about two and a half hours there was a lot wasn't there Yeah. yeah And then, of course, by the time you categorise everything and break it down into the ones you like and start putting them into different windows and sort of making sure I've got all the right URLs and people had put them in the right tags and everything else. I mean, I really like, I really like the, sort, the sort of width, sound, things, things that have like kind of a width and a sheen to them. And I, really, I, read, I read everybody's notes to see what they'd done and how they'd done it. And right. it was important to me that they'd used isotope uh to really find the sound i suppose I, so yeah because I, I found there were there were instances where the musical idea was really strong and you thought oh that's great but then when you thought about it it was like well actually but the sound itself is quite basic so well, it i seemed fa- a bit, it seemed a bit pointless to well not i'm i don't I, i've got to be really careful what i say actually but how can i phrase this um if somebody put in their notes that they made a sound with something like yuhi zebra to make the sound, and then they put it into Isotope. 
I'm sort of thinking, well, what could they have picked out of that sound that would make it significantly different to the input source? And the joy with Isotope to me is that you take something that's got like loads of stuff going on. Like I, I've yeah, actually yeah, just yeah. been doing a project where I needed to get the call sign from a Heathrow airport that goes bong, bong. And it was in a really busy, crowded kind of airport scene. And I just put this sound. I thought, I know how to do that. Put it straight into the Isotope RX synth double-clicked on the boom and then was able to play it on keys instantly. So it's, that's what it's good for. It's good for pulling sounds out of things. So if you just made a synth sound with Zebra... What's what going on in the background there? Pull out. Uh, East started... Ah, running. okay. Oh, no, that's it. all right. No, no, it's fine. I was just thinking, well, what's that? <laughs> you could remove but that. But yeah, brilliant. Way. I mean, some brilliant imagination, brilliant use of the stuff. Uh, I mean, the one thing that did come out of this, and I know I don't know if anybody else has fired this, but SoundCloud is god-awful for doing this kind of oh. thing. I mean, it's great for acquiring the stuff, but then when you just go, I want to see all the things in this group that have the pad tag, you just can't do yeah. it. And then, or yeah. if you wanted to make playlists, go right. Here's my shortlist of play. You can't. It was an absolute organisational nightmare. I mean, SoundCloud love them. You know, they did tweet about the competition and, and what have you, which is fantastic. But they really could do with some uh, some change of functionality, in my humble opinion. Yeah, you should be able to click on a tag and get everything with that tag in that category up, right? Well, you'd think. Yeah, it's only database. It's only well, database. All other databases work like that, don't they? So. Or to be able to create your own playlist, like you can YouTube. But only the person who yeah. uploads the track can add their own tracks to a playlist. It's really... Yeah, but even so, you still can't do that, can you? You still can't just go, I want all things with the word pad and I'm just going to playlist that little lot. Cause it yeah, no, that would be useful. Uh, with it, it anyway, it's a, it's a moan. I mean, perhaps it's a feature it's request a rather than a moan. Yeah, exactly. Uh, apparently, John O'Wise in the chat row says, uh, SoundCloud, uh, there's a new one to come out. So oh, okay. uh, maybe that'll be fixed. But anyway... Um, probably not best to diss the people who are helping us with it but i i think they could probably do with a little bit of input on the way that it works because i mean there's nothing wrong with if, if you went if you're looking around on soundcloud and you found a load of cool stuff there's no way you can bring it all together in a kind of this is some cool stuff i found you've got a there's no way of collating it and it seems that 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 missing a trick there because then people could embed that and and it would just help propagate the whole kind of concept of soundcloud really yes exactly uh well, that sounds a bit ungrateful, but uh, nonetheless, it's a great. It is a great system for acquiring the stuff and allowing people to join in. I oh, know, Dave. Did you get? Did you? Did I was you, just going to say, with SoundCloud, if they were really clever, they'd take that DJ software, which I've again forgotten what it's called, which works out the musical key, the BPM of the music. It's something that DJs use for harmonic mixing. If SoundCloud were really clever, they'd implement that. And they tag everything on SoundCloud with its musical key and its, uh, you know, its relationship. So not a bad people... idea. And then cloud crowdsource it for, uh, for it being fixed. Uh, Dave, um, I don't know if you got a chance to listen to much of the, the the stuff, but I mean, you must be aware of what Iris has been able to do. And you know, I mean, there was some great stuff in there. I don't know if you got a chance to hear any of it. I did listen to some of the selections. I th- I didn't want to kind of get involved in any of the judging and stuff like that. First of all. I don't have the time at the minute, and secondly, I kind of thought it would be a bit um, wouldn't be correct. Yeah, well, that's that. fair enough. I I wasn't I, I wasn't I wasn't uh, fishing for an apology <laughs> or anything. Um, I'm not giving you one. <laughs> I'm so glad. <laughs> um, but I did listen to a few of them, and in fact, sometimes 
I suffer from kind of judging fatigue because there's all sorts of people sending us stuff in going, oh, what do you think of this and what do you think of that? Like we're some kind of record label and also doing that Reason song competition. I think I've done it twice now. Yes, because I did it with the Mtron, the Retron thing as well. as uh, Yeah. And I find it really... I think the standard is just amazing now and that's what kind of really... Um, what I thought with this, you know, and this... I had this idea of what the product should sound like or what it should enable people to do. And then when I kind of started listening to this, I genuinely got a little bit choked, actually, kind of thinking, wow, there's all these people from all over the world kind of using this instrument and doing really, really creative things with it. Stunning. Yeah, no, absolutely. A little bit of a moment for me. Yeah, fantastic. Um... Gaz, I can see you're busy talking about the um, the, the Cuneo in the uh, in the chat room. And uh, have you been spending a bit more time with that? Because I, I, I'm like I said, I've got the review coming out a little bit soon. Um, yeah. I, although, actually, to be fair, to be fair, the Wahoo has taken up all most of my time. But um, uh, of which there's a review of now. Which there is. is. Uh, am I allowed to say that? <laughs> well, when it's yeah, Andy's going to be working on it sometime in the near future, definitely. Cool. Um, yeah, I mean, just talking about a few things about the Cuneo. I suppose the thing with something like the Cuneo, because it's not exactly like anything else that's been out before, similar to things, but, you know, it's going to take some time, I think, to really explore. You know, we're talking about how some of the facilities, like there's some rotary discs on there, which I, I've not really enjoyed them, I, I, I have to be honest. I, uh, and also the, the you in the sliders as accurate sliders it's just like they're a bit too spongy and a bit too vague. Well I, I think in my review I say what would be really good is to have a shift like you do with you know with some soft synths where you click and then, yeah. th- then they become much more higher resolution so you kind of click and then that whole travel is maybe like 10 a value of 10 rather than yeah. A, yeah. Well what I was kind of interested to try and achieve with the Cuneo is uh, finding ways where within the editor that you could kind of program things just like an octave switch for instance for the pads uh, mm. for the pads yeah. you can't do anything like that at no. all so apparently you can if you're in grid mode um, but, uh, but so Keith said but it was completely unobvious to me so it's the, that criticism still stands okay. for me yeah transposing oh, pad well, but transposing pads is one of the most obvious functions that any pad controller should have because you're there, you're kind of going, getting into the groove, you go, oh, brilliant. And then you just think, oh, I just yeah, need, yeah, you know, yeah. a cowbell. Oh, bloody hell. And now I've got to stop, assign a pad to a cowbell, find the sound, rather than just go up, 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 up. There it is. You know, yeah. it's just, yeah, no brainer. I, I can't believe nobody's done it. Well, especially because, you know, I've been finding using it with the iPad is really good fun, you know. And um, I really like the, the two things together because. Uh, you know, the iPad is great for certain things, but, you know, it's not very good as a percussive type of, you know, playable surface. So, whereas a Cuneo, that's where it would excel at. But uh, but I haven't got the, you know, I need to have things like like uh, octave switching. Um, and I'd like to be able to just, yeah, just transpose. I mean, transpose yeah, would be I think that correct. Make a whole lot of sense. <sighs> anyway, I suppose um, we're probably. I, I'm not going to get too many more topics on the go because it's getting quite late, and I'm going to have to go and make the tea. Mm. Um, so I want to say thanks to everybody <laughs> for joining us, and thanks for Mark for stepping at the last last point there, and also thanks very much to the uh, Eccentronic Research Council guys. Um, I appreciate them taking time out because I know they were supposed to be getting together to work on stuff, and um, 
probably talking to me was a massive distraction. But uh, thank you very much to them. And don't forget, you can find buy their stuff on uh, Finders Keepers Records, uh, the URL of which is, uh, if I put it up there, it's probably going to go, it's finderskeepersrecords.com. And uh, you can, there's a big buy this now button here, which I heartily recommend you do. I did. And uh, it's a nice album. And it's, it gets you thinking. It's got words that make you think, which I think is not something we get all that often. Maybe a little bit UK-centric in terms of politics and references. But, hey, no apologies. So, anyway, I want to say thanks very much, uh, first of all, Dave Spears, DG4 Software. Thank you for joining us. Well, thank you first for hooking us up with those guys and joining us this week in your shirt. You're looking... Like you're about to go to another meeting. No, I'm not. No. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going for a beer. Oh, God, wouldn't I love to do that? I can't think of the last time I've done that. That's a thought. I nearly came down to see you, actually, the other day. Oh, I wish you had. I were rehearsing at Real World, and it was their last day, and I was going to come down and see them, and I thought, I'll go and see Nick again, get for a beer, but then it just didn't happen. Never mind. Don't let that idea put you off any other time doing that, of course. Definitely. Anyway, Dave, thanks very much for joining us. And uh, we'll also say thank you to Gaz Williams, who has uh, video, I'm afraid, is disintegrated. Your new provider is yeah. really, is no better than the last one, frankly. Uh, I was having this problem with the last one. I mean, uh, my studio is quite a long way away from the router, uh, but I don't know if that's the problem. Yes. But... If you haven't got a wire, then wireless will always Yeah, it's, it's over wireless. I'll have to look at maybe. I've okay. got something very clever. I w- can I phone you in a minute, Gaz, to talk to you about Ergo? Of course you can, yes. Absolutely. And I'll give you, so I'll tell you a hot tip about how to get wire, wired internet around your house. Ah, Sounds excellent. Well, well, anyway, Gaz, thank you very much. And yep. also, there's Mr. Lord Tinley from likebeing.com. Hello. Reclining. <laughs> is that a new kitchen? Hold on, it doesn't normally look like that. Or is that just a new angle of your camera? No, it's just a different angle. I've uh, got the laptops the other way around today. So normally, you see it like that, I think. That's right. Yes, I do. That's it. Today... Your, we've swapped love for a fridge for about 30 degrees or something you're now oh yeah we've swapped love for a fridge yeah. love and bunting <laughs> thank oh, you dear. very much mark and uh thanks everybody for listening uh on the live stream and all of that stuff uh we'll be back next week uh, where we'll have the winner of the isotope iris competition uh fine sounding everything uh tom blazook i'm gonna pronounce this right tom blazookas i think his name is tom Blazookas, that's right. So, that's it for Sonic Talk for this week. Uh, what shall I play us out with? Oh, I wanted to play us out with a little bit of uh, All Seeing Eye, the beat goes on, but not too much, because otherwise I'll get done for uh, copyright nonsense. But here it comes. Oh, I'll play it there. I can do that, can't I? Actually, this is Eye Monster. Uh, and I'll talk over it, because um, if I don't, the copyright infringement engine in... YouTube will cause me all sorts of problems. So uh, while I do that, I'm just going to head over here and uh, I'll switch off the YouTube recording, leave the audio going, and uh, there we go.